welcome to Are You Up Bats? And I'm so excited because my mom-in-law will be bringing the message this morning, Melanie Engslin, and I know that you will be completely besotted with her. She is full of wisdom and knowledge and completely inspiring, and her whole life is a testimony to the goodness of God. And so I want you to grab your notebooks and your pens, and I want you to lean in because I know you are going to be blessed this morning. Good morning to you all. And I would just like to say a very big thank you to my beautiful daughter-in-law, for inviting me to share with you all this morning. In the Old Testament book of Esther, we are told the story of a beautiful young Jewish girl, Esther, who had been chosen by the temperamental and pagan Persian king, Xerxes, to replace his deposed queen, Vashti. Soon, Esther finds herself with a mission thrust upon her which places her in a potentially life-threatening situation. Esther's adoptive father, Mordecai, learned that Haman, the king's right-hand man, was plotting to kill all the Jews in the kingdom. He sent a message to Esther, asking her to go and plead with the king to have mercy on her people. But Esther replied by reminding Mordecai that no one, not even a wife, went before the king uninvited without risking death. Mordecai sent a message back to Esther, reminding her that as a Jewess, she would die along with all the other Jews if Haman was not stopped. And he challenged her with the words, maybe it was for a time like this that you were made queen. We read of Esther's response in Esther chapter 4, verses 15 to 16. Esther sent Mordecai this reply, Go and gather all the Jews in Susa. Susa was the capital city of Persia, where the royal palace was. Gather all the Jews in Susa together. Hold a fast and pray for me. Don't eat or drink anything for three days and nights. My young women and I will be doing the same. After that, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I must die for doing it, I will die. The upshot was that Esther did not die, but her actions ultimately saved her people from destruction. In the New Testament, we read of another woman of prayer and faith. Matthew tells her story in chapter 15 of his gospel. A Canaanite woman who lived near the cities of Tyre and Sidon came to Jesus. Son of David, she cried, have mercy on me, sir. My daughter has a demon and is in a terrible condition. But Jesus did not say a word to her. His disciples came to him and begged him, send her away. She's following us and making all this noise. Then Jesus replied, I have been sent only to the lost sheep of the people of Israel. At this the woman came and fell at his feet. Help me, sir, she said. Jesus answered, it isn't right 
to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. That's true, sir, she answered, but even the dogs eat the leftovers that fall from their master's table. So Jesus answered her, You are a woman of great faith. What you want will be done for you. And at that very moment, her daughter was healed. The Canaanite woman had a daughter who was in a terrible condition, a condition which was also possibly life-threatening, and who, of those of us who are mothers, can't identify with the anguish of soul which this lady must have experienced on behalf of her afflicted child. Both of these women found themselves at a point in their lives when they were burdened. Esther was burdened for her people who were facing genocide. The Canaanite woman was burdened for her child who had developed a severe physical or mental affliction. Through their burdens, both of these women became the instruments of God. They were the focus of God's love and watch care. In one case, for his chosen people, in the other, for an obscure little Gentile girl living outside the borders of Palestine and outside of Jewish territory, whose Canaanite ancestors were the enemies of the Jews and who had no link with the Jews other than that her mother had heard about Jesus. Together, these two ladies give us an inspiring example of how God uses prayer burdens to care for those he loves. Praying with a burden is probably the most neglected aspect of prayer. As a result, we often pray burdenless prayers. That is, we lapse into repeating the same old requests over and over, but with little heart or sense of urgency. We need to become aware that God often gives his people prayer burdens, and when he does, we need to be concerned enough and disciplined enough to respond with all our heart and strength. A burden from God can be described as a heaviness of heart and spirit. It's an expression of God's concern, and it's always directed towards a need. That need may be an illness, a dangerous or life-threatening situation, or it may be in response to sin in one's own life or in the life of a friend or loved one. One of the aspects of a prayer burden that we must recognize and understand if we are to respond to it properly is that when God burdens our hearts to pray, He is intending to do something about the thing He has burdened us for. If God burdens your heart about someone who is lost, this is evidence that God is planning 
to save that person. Often, God will use the person he burdens to help accomplish his will. If God burdens you to pray for someone who has a financial need, God probably wants you to help meet that need in a material way as well as through prayer. For example, God not only used Esther as a prayer warrior, he also required her to take action. In essence, this process works like a triangle. When God sees that you have a need, he begins searching for someone who is available to receive the burden. He looks for someone who is living an obedient, godly life, someone he can trust to follow through once he or she receives the burden. When he finds someone, that person begins to have a heavy heart for you. God increases the burden and the intensity until that person begins to intercede on your behalf as the Lord leads. This opens the way for God to work through those prayers and he meets your need. Often, when God meets our needs, we get the impression that it was a result of our prayers only, not realizing who God has burdened for us. When we get to heaven one day and see who was praying for us and when they prayed, we will be both surprised and humbled. None of us are sufficient in ourselves. We need each other's prayers. The question arises, why should an all-powerful God use this triangle of prayer to accomplish his will? After all, he could do it without us, but he doesn't. In his wisdom, God has chosen this method to allow us to be blessed by seeing him work in each other's lives. He wants us involved with each other on a spiritual basis, loving, encouraging, and carrying each other. And so he uses this triangle of prayer to unify us. When we pray, we step away from this planet with all of its distractions and sorrows and sufferings and we set foot in the heavenly realm. We approach the throne of grace and we commune directly, heart to heart, with God the Father. And when we bring the needs of our friends and loved ones and even strangers before his throne and lay them out for him to see and to touch, we bring these souls close to the loving heart of God. If we are going to be part of this triangle, we need to be aware of how God communicates a prayer burden, and there are a number of ways. He may speak to us directly through his word, or he may speak to us in some other way, like when we are still in his presence 
and listening and in tune with him. Sometimes the burden is communicated through a crisis situation, as in the case of the Canaanite woman. And sometimes he will use something someone says, as in Esther's case, when Mordecai spoke to her about the plight of her people and said, maybe it was for a time like this that you were made queen. Regardless of how we receive a prayer burden, it is ultimately from God. It may come as a sudden heaviness of heart, or it may come slowly, growing in intensity in response to some or other need. However it comes, our response should always be to get down on our knees and pray with wholehearted passion. Another aspect of a prayer burden that we must understand is the weight of a prayer burden. In Esther's case, the burden was great. The fate of an entire people rested on her shoulders, let alone her own life. Before she could even contemplate facing the king, she found it necessary to have all the Jewish people, as well as herself and her attendants, spend three days and three nights in prayer and fasting. Not all burdens will take so great a toll on us, but some will cause us to stop everything. And when the burden is that heavy, Satan will be quick to tell us to shake it off and keep moving. You're too busy to worry about that now, he says. But in spite of our pressing responsibilities, we must resist Satan and take the time to draw aside and spend time alone with God in fervent prayer. Not all burdens will require hours or even days of prayer. Some burdens may be for something God wants you to do in that moment. For instance, God may burden you to call a friend or to give something to a needy person or to visit someone who has lost a loved one. The intensity of a burden will be determined by two factors. The magnitude of the situation God wants to deal with and the immediacy with which God wants to deal with it. In Esther's case, the magnitude of the task facing her and the personal danger made her burden heavy. In the case of the Canaanite woman, there was great immediacy. She had this one chance to ask Jesus to heal her daughter. He would not be coming her way again. What a blessing that she seized the opportunity and came to him with her request. Sometimes the immediacy of a thing is important because God sees that we ourselves are about to run off a cliff edge. We are headed in a certain direction and everything seems to be going well when all of a sudden we sense something isn't right. God burdens our hearts 
and we start to feel unsure about things. That is when we need to stop and ask, Lord, what are you trying to say? When we get quiet and wait on God, he will show us if we are running in the wrong direction and he'll reveal to us the direction he would have us go. So, besides getting us involved in each other's lives, a prayer burden may be put on our hearts to keep us from making a wrong decision. Some burdens last longer than others. The length depends on the magnitude of the burden and on our response to what God is saying. Sometimes we resist a burden, as Jonah did when he resisted God's instruction to go and preach repentance to the people of Nineveh. God had to arrange for him to be swallowed by a big fish before he responded to the burden. Or like Esther did initially when she was fearful for her life. God then has to work with us for a longer period to get us in a position where we will listen. We should keep in mind that whenever God burdens our heart about a particular situation, the burden is evidence that God is already working. This fact should encourage us to pray with perfect faith because a burden is a promise of God's hand, God's movement in a particular matter. God does his work primarily through the prayers of his children. And by giving us a burden, he gives us an opportunity to build our faith. How? By allowing us to pray for something he has already started to answer. God always goes ahead of us. When God lays a burden upon our hearts, and we follow it up faithfully, it is as good as done. There's no need to pray, if it be thy will. We know it is God's will, simply because he has placed the burden on our hearts. There have been times when God has placed a burden on my heart that lasted for months, even years. At other times, it lasted only a few hours before the answer came. Esther's burden lasted three days and nights. But while she and her people were praying and seeking God's guidance, God was already working with the king. We don't know in what way, but something went on in those three days. Because when Esther appeared before the king, Without being summoned, instead of having her put to death, he received her petition and ultimately spared her people. Sharing burdens, as Esther did, is a tool God often uses to get his work done. But we must be extremely sensitive to God's guidance when we share burdens. Some burdens need to be shared while others need to be kept private. At times, God will want us to share the burden with only the
the person we have been burdened for because it will be an encouragement to them. People who are in need or hurting need to know that they are being prayed for. But sometimes circumstances require confidentiality. Other burdens need to be shared with many people. If a friend becomes ill, your concern would not only express itself through your prayers, but also through your sharing that need with others who could pray. By sharing these types of burdens, God is using us to burden others to pray, as Esther did when she asked all the Jews to pray with her. Right now, your heart may be heavy with a burden from the Lord. You've been trying to shake it off. Maybe you even thought you were ill. The answer is to get on your knees before God and tell him you're willing to receive any burden he has for you. Tell him you'll stick with it until he accomplishes his purpose. When you do this, you place yourself in a position to be used by God in someone else's life, either directly or indirectly. And you fulfill the command in Galatians 6 verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But you also allow God to begin cleansing you more deeply than you've ever been cleansed before. And you open yourself up to great spiritual blessings. Are you willing to pray this prayer? Lord, I'm available for any burden you wish to share with me. Don't spare the weight, Lord. Use me to the maximum. If this is really your heart's desire, when you get to heaven one day, you will be amazed at what God did with you as a result of your availability to shoulder his burdens. God grant that we may all become passionate, burden-bearing prayer warriors for our awesome God. Amen.
to you.